feels perfect Other days it just ain't working The good, the bad, the right, the wrong And everything in between Yo, it's crazy, amazing We can turn our heart through the words we say Mountains crumble with every syllable Hope can live or die So speak life And trees and 
uh, fruit and just things you could pick off the tree. It was absolutely beautiful. I really got back there and just did not want to turn my phone back on on my computer. I just found myself not wanting any of that stuff for a while. So it was it was just great. It was great. So I uh, didn't get, get a chance to kind of sneak away as much as I, I thought I would be able to or wanted to as far as those quiet little places. So I, I've been saying I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back and spend some time there on that ranch. So we'll do that. Okay. Excellent. We were, Excellent. We were set so, tonight so, to have – go ahead, Ronnie. No, 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 go ahead. What were you about to say? I was just telling the audience, I know we had mentioned last week that we were going to have uh, Bernice Walls from Walls Come Tumbling Down Ministry on tonight. No, not not this next next Monday, I'm sorry. We were going to have, um, oh, Rodney, what's this? Justin Sellers was supposed to be on tonight, but he had something come up at work. So we kind of had to come up uh, with a topic tonight. And Rodney and I both have been stretching it thin uh, in our work life and personal lives as well. So we just figured we'd let you guys talk to us. And I know you have some things you want to share tonight that's been on your mind for a while that I kind of missed out on because I was not attached to technology or didn't have access. So that's all I was going to say. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, you know, since since we are talking about about marriage and um I always think it's a beautiful thing for people to get married. Um, But unfortunately, in today's time, we have, uh, it seems like, more divorces happening than than marriages. And so I think that it's great that that, that Brandon found someone to be with. But my, my, my question to you is, why do you think that is so? Why do you think that we have... Uh, people getting divorced, it seems like, as soon as they get married, where people used to, uh, you know, stay married 20, 30, 40 years, and now we're lucky if they stay married for six months. Why do, why, why do you think that is the case? I think, number one, it goes back to, and that's actually one of the things that was on my list tonight as far as selfishness. People are so selfish and ego egotistic until even marriage, they go into marriage thinking me, 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 and, and, and people have this false, um, I guess, perception of, of marriage, and I don't mean that in a negative way because I, I feel like marriage is one of the best things in the world. Finding someone to, sh- to share your life with that um, you understand what that means because I mean, I, I, being a mom, I, that's the closest thing I can kind of relate to as far as being a mom. Like, as much I, I had this child, but as much as I love him, there are times where I thought, who are you? You know, it's not that it's yeah. that I didn't love him. Like, who are you? And I didn't want to give him back. And and we find it so easy, like you say, hey, I love, I, I love this person. And you see people today who had so much love, respectively so, on that day or before that day, what happens? What happens after that? And I, other than selfishness and having this, again, this false perception of, of what marriage is, because 
marriages work. It takes work to come together as one, live under the same roof, in the, in the same house, do life together for the rest of your life. That means you have to be willing to share and also be willing to give, like, and not expect anything back all the time. And we have we have taken what we've created in society into our homes and into marriages. And, again, it's all about me. It's not about looking at you as me. Like, if I'm marrying you, then we become one. So your happiness is my happiness. Like, what makes you happy? You know, you'll have people that get married in a blended family. And you'll you'll have people get married in, in one, mostly the women, they don't want you to have a relationship with your children or they don't they don't push that or support it. How is that possible? Because to love you means to love that, that certainly a child that comes from you, that is part of you. And so, again, it has to be, to me, if I had one answer, selfishness. If I could get two, ego, I'd add that ego in there and selfishness. <laughs> that's, that, 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 that's funny that you say that because, um, you know, I, I think I think part of the problem with a lot of things today is is it, it goes back to selfishness. Um, and I think the problem with selfishness in marriage is that oftentimes it impacts children. And uh, going back to something that you said about, um, you know, the love appears to be there before that wedding day and on that wedding day, but then it gets lost after that. But I wonder if it's love on the wedding day or if it's love before the wedding day. Because if it's really love, then how can it get how can it get lost so quickly or so easily? Is it really love or is it lust? Is it love or is it well I know that I shouldn't be doing this but I really want to be married or I know I shouldn't be marrying this person, but it's too late for me to back out now. You know, what will people say? What will people think? People spend all of this money. So, you know, now we're going to have, you know, issues if we back out of this thing right now. And so, you know, my issue with it is that, one, you know, I, I totally agree. I think that I, I think that people are selfish in today's time. Um and 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 not only that, I feel like people get married out of convenience. It's something that that is convenient at that time, for whatever reason. Um, and people get married for all the wrong reasons. People confuse sex and money and property um, with love, and so because they think that they you know, are having great sex, they feel like they're in love. Or because they don't have a, a financial care in the world, they feel like they're in love. And so they get attached to people emotionally based on things that are not going to ever sustain a marriage. And then, too, I think that people, um, because they don't have God in them, it is very difficult for them to have God in their marriages 
in their lives, in their homes, because God is not a part of their lives before they get married or even after. And so, you know, I, I, I just think that it leads to so many other, there's always a domino effect. You know, I can't tell you the number of people in the past couple of years that, you know, they get married and then a year later they're talking about their divorce or they're going to court or they're splitting up or, you know, so-and-so cheated on me or, you know, she left me for this guy or, or he left me to be with that woman over there. You know, if your marriage can be over that quickly, then you should have never gotten married in the first place. And both of I, you, both of you are, are at fault. In my eyes, both of you are at fault to some degree. If I'm the one who committed the offense or decided to walk away, I'm at fault for that. But why is it that you could not see the type of person I was before you decided to marry me? Is it really because I fooled you that greatly, or is it because you were in denial for what you really saw? And see, those are the things that we'll never know because the average person is not going to be honest about that. Like, when I got married, and I'll tell you now, and I and I would have told you back then, I knew I had no business marrying the person that I married. But I did it out of, out of convenience. I was running from a situation. I was running from a bad situation. And I knew that there were some, some issues with myself, with this other person, that should have kept me from marrying them. But I decided, out of selfishness, to go ahead and do it anyway. And instead of getting married at the age of 22, what I should have been doing is was trying to finish school and establish a life for myself. And then being willing to uh, find a mate because instead of trying to offer the very little that I had, I should have been trying to add to what I had and then offer more than what I had at that time. But I wasn't patient enough. And so I married someone who was also very selfish at the time. And so we got married for all of these selfish reasons. And then three years later, here we are getting divorced. The problem with that was there were three children involved. And those three children were impacted greatly because of decisions that their mother and I made. And so I think that, you know, we need to we need to we need to really be careful about uh the choices that we make. And understand that your choices don't just impact you. Your choices impact the people around you. Somebody else is going to reap what you sow. 
yeah. whether it's directly or whether it's indirectly, whether it's today, whether it's 10 years from now. In fact, you know, I was sharing with you a message that I got from from um, from one of the kids not too long ago. And so I'm still reaping years later. And I got married in 04. And I'm wow. still feeling the I'm still feeling the effects of that situation. And I didn't know all this time that I've been I guess internally uh or subconsciously dealing with it. I didn't know that. But here I am, you know, eleven years later, still dealing with the repercussions of a choice that I made. 11 years ago. Well, Rodney, you know what? I, 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 could see, I could see where you would be because of who you are and how you feel about children and making sure that their environment, any, any part of the environment that you feel you had anything to do with, I could see where that will, it will take you, a, you'd probably be an old man on your front porch thinking and wondering about those kids. It's not about the marriage, but, but most of the children and, and, and what kind of mark um, it left on them. Because, again, like you said, parents especially, or single or married, we make decisions. And, again, that's selfishness as well because we make decisions as if kids have no feelings at all, as if they have nothing to do with what's really going on. And I think as a parent, as a mother, as a father, we are so selfish when it comes to that. Not by any means telling anybody to stay in anything that they feel they should should not be in. But don't give up so quickly. Like there are things people will break up over the what things that can be fixed because you're gonna have to go somewhere. You 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 are gonna go somewhere. You're not gonna be alone for the rest of your life. And wherever you go, something is going to come up that needs to be fixed. And so how you handle your previous or your past situations, issues, problems, your marriage, which which is another thing I think people hop too quickly. They just go from one man or one woman, you know, way too soon. But how you handle situations and issues and things like that, unless you stop and change or take a look at it and see, you know, you're going you're gonna to carry that on. Your children are seeing that as well. But back to what I was saying about you, I can see where that will, will affect you for a very long time because of who you are. Well, uh, you know what? It would be, it would be nice if, um, and, and I'm kind of shifting gears here a little bit, but it would be nice if we had a society who really thought about children in the way that you just in the way that you just described, and not you know anything to do with me, but we live in a society, and, and this is something else that, that that is on my mind. We live in a society that promotes ignorance and foolishness. And 
there are I don't know how many mentor programs out there for boys and girls. There are countless books out there, you know, about uh, what you can do to, you know, uh, solve the problems that, that, that our children are having and, you know, people trying to figure out, uh, you know, what's wrong with kids today. And I think it's an it, it's an easy answer. Adults are what's wrong with kids today. There's your problem, I think, right there. Adults, you want to uh, you want to see, you want to figure, you, you want to find out why children are struggling. I guarantee you, it traces back to some adults. Guarantee, unless it's just something you know that that. God has just ordained, you know, for this child to, to, to go through. But I guarantee you, you can trace anything back to an adult when you look at a child. This guy I used to work with, he used to say, if you follow an ignorant child home, I guarantee you somebody ignorant going to open the door for them. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have parents who, you know, talk about how spoiled their children are. But if you watch their children, they give their children everything that they ask for. They let their kids do whatever they want, and then they say they're spoiled. They don't. They, they don't. They, they don't believe in hard work. Well, why would they? You don't make them do anything around the house. They don't have chores. They don't have to wash dishes. They don't have to take the trash out. They don't have to clean the bathroom. They don't have to vacuum. They don't even have to make their own bed. But you're still going to give them uh, the new Jordan. You're still going to allow them to go to sleepovers. You're still going to allow them to play sports. Why would these kids not feel entitled? Parents let their teenage daughters have boys over the house. And then they can't understand why. Their daughters are having sex. They allow boys over their over their houses unsupervised. And they can't understand why. Their daughters can't get their minds out of the gutter. What do you think is gonna happen when you allow a male and a female who are attracted to each other? To be around each other. What do you think is going to happen? But we've we've gotten to a point where we we spoil kids. And we let them do whatever they want. Rodney, why why do you think parents allow their children to do, because I totally agree with you, that the, the parenting skills are, that I grew up in and around is, is uh, grown, grown for the most part. You probably, you probably run into a few people here and there that are parenting, not I would call it friending, um, but they're not parenting at all. I mean, kids get to do and say, and um, I mean, even at the smallest age, I see this happening, and it's almost like I mean, in the airport while traveling to and from. The wedding, I was just um, I was just amazed. My mom looked at me a couple of times, but she knew who I was 
about Brandon. I, I didn't play it. I'm telling you one time. That's it. We, we don't get a, there's no trial and error here. Um, but parents were consistently, like, from the age of two on up, they could tell a child to do something, and they, they look at them like, you know, or scream to the top of their lungs, or have a word back. One, one lady told the little girl to leave the buttons alone on the airplane. And the little girl's like, I'm not touching those. I'm touching these. Like, really? You know, and then the person behind me kept kicking my feet. Mother had to say it I don't know how many times. So finally I turned around and said, you are going to stop kicking my feet now. I mean, right, because I'm giving you as a parent too many times, too many tries to, to say this, but what parent has to continuously tell a child, okay, what age? that many times to stop. So I'm like, it did not just get this. This started, like, from day one. So why do you mm-hmm. think parents are lacked in their in their uh, parenting skills? I think I think it's I think it's a combination of of quite a few things and I'm and I'm gonna get this one out first, um just because you know, for anybody listening, I'm sure that we could very well hear it uh, at some point. So I'm I'm going to get this out of the way first. Although, me personally, I don't think it's a good enough excuse, uh, and I'll tell why. But I think that part of, it, part of it is the fact that, you know, there are parents who, uh, who are working uh, two or three jobs, and so... You know, parents are not at home, especially mothers. Mothers are not at home uh, like they used to be. And so because of that, because, you know, parents are not able to uh, spend time with their kids like they like they, like they they could uh, 20 years ago, um, you have kids basically raising themselves, uh, and doing for themselves, so it's kind of hard because of the financial burdens on the house. However, I don't think that's a good enough excuse because there are are parents who who do that, who work, you know, uh, a lot, but still find the time to raise their children uh, and bring them up with morals and values. I don't know many, but I do know some. And that's why I say it's not really an excuse because if you really want to do something, you'll find a way to do it no matter what the circumstances are. Uh, but I think, Sammy, honestly, I see a lot of parents trying to be their child's friend. And raising children has become an inconvenience to adults from what I've seen. Uh, because in addition to working, Parents are more interested in their social life than they are uh, than they are parents, and and so it's almost as if you know the parent is doing their own thing, the children are doing their own thing, and instead of teaching in the home, there's a whole lot of talking, and there's and there's a difference. You know, we can sit and talk all day long. It doesn't mean that you are uh, – th- there's no accountability there. You might learn from what I'm saying. You may not. But if I'm teaching you, there's an accountability uh, 
part of the conversation where if I'm teaching you, I expect you to learn from me, and there are ways that I'm going to be uh, checking to see if you are paying attention to what I'm saying. And there are rewards for when you uh, do the right thing, and there are consequences for when you don't. And so it has become an inconvenience, it seems like, to a lot of parents because they're more interested in the social life. You can't watch your you, – you can't – it's hard to it's hard to spend time with your children when you're more concerned about what's coming on TV, when you're more concerned about empire and scandal and football and basketball, you know, things that come on TV. It's kind of hard to be to, – to, to, to raise up your children because while the TV is entertaining you, the TV is raising your child. And then you see more children with grandma and grandpa today than you do with mom and dad. So I think that, you know, there there are a number of uh, of factors that, that go into play. I don't know which one is, is, you know, more popular than the others, but I think that parents need to find a way to get back to uh, spending time with their kids and letting their kids know that these things are unacceptable. For example, if I had kicked your seat one time, that would have been the only time I would have kicked your seat. That would have been the only time I kicked your seat because my mother would have made sure I never kicked your seat again. Mm-hmm. Whatever she needed to do, I would have never done it again. But the reason why that child kept kicking your seat is because that child, when they're at home, if they're doing something and their parent tells them to stop, they continue to do it. And so when they get out in public, they repeat the same behavior. Parent tells them to stop. Nothing happens because I know the only thing my mom can do is to keep telling me to stop. She really doesn't mean it. She's just telling me that. But it doesn't matter if I stop doing it or not. Now, if you had turned around and popped that child on her leg, then the parent would have been upset with you. Yeah. And I'm surprised the parent didn't say something when you when you told the child that they had to stop. Because normally parents, uh, I, I've seen a lot of parents defend their children when they're wrong. Yeah. I had a parent last year, Tammy, that came to the school to tell me that it was my fault that their child missed my class over 100 times last year. Your fault? Yes, a dad, one of my kids' dad, came came to my classroom just to tell me that it was my fault that his that his son was not showing up to my class. This boy is in, was in sixth grade. Now you mean to tell me, as his parent, you can't get your child to school on time? He sent a note one day, Sammy, uh, the mother and the father, sent a note one day that said, um, 
my uh, uh, my, my son uh, is late getting to school because he's tired. He, he was tired. Then make his behind go to bed. And then he, then in the springtime they said, uh, you know, he, he wasn't uh, he, he he didn't come to school because. Uh, he has really severe allergies. So do I, but I manage to get to work every day. Now, mind you, right after they told, right after the after the dad said that he doesn't come to school, uh, or that he didn't come to school because of his allergies, he made it to baseball practice the day before. So he could come to school because of allergies. But he made it to baseball practice where he's out playing in the grass and in the dirt and outside where there's pollen falling everywhere. And somehow it's the teacher's fault that he didn't make it to school. Okay, how so, did he explain that it was your fault? How, how, what was he? He said that I needed to, mo- he said that I needed to motivate his son. To come to school, I needed to motivate his son to come to school. He was like, you know, I know, you know, you're 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 a teacher and everything. He was like, but you know, and I know you're probably gonna say like, how can you do anything if he's never here? He was like, but you gotta find a way to pull him in. I said, sir, I said, my job is to come here and teach those who are here. I cannot teach anyone who is not here. I said, and not only do I teach kids, I care for the kids. I make sure that they have everything that they need. I said, and in addition to that, in in addition to teaching them math, I try to make sure that they are prepared for life. I said, so if your son wants to be a part of that or if you want it for your son, you have to make sure that your son gets here. I can't make sure that your son gets here. That's not my responsibility. I said. Furthermore, this uh, your 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 son's education depends on me, his parents, and him. I said we all have to work together to make this happen. I said I'm doing my part, and that's all I can speak for. Mm. And he didn't have much to say. I said. And this is a dad, a man who. You know, men back in the day walked with authority or was able to tell a child, not really even have to tell the child. Mm-hmm. You see, that, that reminds me of the, the, I think I talked about that on the show we weren't on last Monday, but the, the time before where the dad um, at football practice tells his son, come on, we got to go, I got to get home and watch Scandal. And I just thought, wow, <laughs> this day well, come because I mean, to me, it's like a soap opera. But I mean, that was his excuse for being, you know, I need to get home. I gotta go watch tennis. And I guess I'm, I, football would have been a little better for me, but that's what it has come to. Um, there's no time invested in, in children. One reason I think that they. You know, turning out like they are, like you said, they're raising themselves. But even so, there's so much that can be instilled in a child, even even with the two and three jobs, working the several jobs. Once you put that foundation, of, of, maybe you can even change to fear 
in that child, and that child respects and is going to do what you say for the most part. If a child's going to going to going to get out there and try try something, but mm-hmm. at a certain time, age, you lost them if you're going to try to wait till they get. 12 and 13, even 10 and 11, and try to become this parent who now wants to uh, raise this child. So it's it's awful. And, Tammy, I don't think people take into consideration the the responsibility that comes with raising children. And so people have kids and you know, not really understanding that it is a great responsibility. And so when they have kids and, you know, it, and now, you know, they have to not only take care of themselves, but they have to take care of, uh, you know, another human being, especially a child, you know, I, I think is a big shock to people. Uh, we have a... Uh, we we have a comment in the uh, chat room. Um, it says, and again, uh, for those of you listening, uh, if you have a if you're listening by by phone, um, and you have a question or comment, uh, please press the number one, and we will pull you in um, in the order that that we received your call. If you're listening online um, and you're in the chat room, uh, we most certainly will read your uh, comments online. However, everyone is anonymous on the Butterfly Evolution Show unless you choose to reveal your identity yourself or tell us uh, that you want it to be revealed. But, Tammy, the comment says there is no justification for a son not going to school. That's not even a conversation that I'd entertain if I was an educator. My response would have been, sir, you should really consider expressing how important school is. Uh, he's setting his uh, sixth grade son up for failure. I agree. I agree. Um, I, I think that I think that he, that he is. I mean, um, but there's there's so many adults uh, nowadays that are setting kids up for failure. And the problem with setting kids up for failure is that uh, the, these these kids are not going to be kids forever. These kids are are eventually going to become adults who will have to replace the adults who hurt who hold certain positions. Uh, one example is look at our presidential race for 2016. Uh, I don't know about anybody else, but we are looking at a rough situation, no matter who gets in office, and that and that's my opinion. But I'm one of those people who uh, is open-minded. I'm an independent, and so I give everybody a chance. I know that there are people who are far right, far left, and so it doesn't matter what the other side is saying or offering. People are just, you know, against it. Um, But... The more I watch and listen to these people running for president, I'm like, America is in bad shape. Especially with Donald Trump leading the pack for for for, for most for most of this time. Like this this is 
this is an issue. This is an issue. And that's that's something else that's on my mind, Tammy. But but I'm but I'm gonna pause because because I've talked about a couple of things in my mind. What is on your mind, Tammy? <laughs> people, people, people. Hi, <laughs> people. I mean, oh, Rodney, um, all that you talk about, really the selfishness and the egotistic of people, the self-gratification that I see in many adults who should be over their stuff by now. And all of it goes back to the selfishness and the egotistic ways. Now, where all this came from, the bondage and the the whatever you want to call it, but, like, it's just the egotistic world of today. Like, things don't even make sense anymore. Like, some of the things that come up, you think, that's that's, that's just simple. That's, That's very simple. Um. The things that people are doing and saying, even even job-wise, I mean, some of the things that people that I move and, and I see how they respond and react to policies and procedures and, and formality, and I'm thinking, where did you people come from? I mean, really, who does this? And what are you learning and what are you, what have you learned and what are you teaching? Like the, the, the basic Values and morals and ethics but, are just but, gone. But, but do we do we think that people have those though, Tammy? Do I think they have them? <laughs> do they do they even do they even know what morals, values, ethics, and all those, do do people know what those things are anymore? You know what, Roddy? I think people know much more than they let on. I think people just choose themselves. They just choose me, 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 me. Like the same thing we were starting out talking about the marriage. It's, it's me, 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 me. What can you do for me? Not what can I do for you. What can can you do for me? How can you make me feel? Um, what about me? Uh, not taking responsibility for his or her own happiness and, and being, you know, totally, totally, totally transparent with self first. Mm-hmm. But, and I think it leads right into this falsehood with, with the parenting. And as you talked about, uh, you mentioned that, you know, they work, work, work. The parents, mostly single parents, they work, work, work. You know, some of, some of the stuff that they work, work, work for has nothing to do with the basic needs of that child. It's the other stuff. And I, and I mean, because really at the end of the day, at this point in time, to be, to, to, to have to work, I, I just think at this day and time of what's going on in the world with our young people, um, if, if, if I was going to work three and four jobs, it would really have to be for those basic necessities in this day and time. I would have to look at where can I cut some corners otherwise. So I can be home a little bit more. Because to leave your child to this world today is almost to just turn them over. 
turn them over, over to evil. Because there's so much of it. It's so much ego, so much selfishness, so much the things that people think and say and do. I heard this story today where it's actually I, I, I do love the court TV. I'm, I'm particular about which ones I do watch. But this uncle had kept his niece's car while she was out of town. He got tickets. He, he, he was, you know, parking tickets and things like that. Well, he gets angry at her because, he said she shouldn't have talked to him like that. So he didn't, he decided, he well, I'm not going to pay him. And he, the judge is looking at him like, what? <laughs> like, this is the, you kept her car, you get tickets, and, and you don't pay them, and she's not supposed to be angry with you? So that's your defense? Like, what logic is in that? I mean, these are tickets that you got. But people find logic in the most, or defense, offense, I should say, the things that they have created. And sometimes those things affect people in a great way, and they still don't care. And I guess in a sense it takes me right back to, to Romans. We've been turned over. So many people have been let loose, turned over, hands off. And so that's why they can do these things. That's why they can be okay with putting their children last when it comes to men who they are not married to in the home and, and, and so forth. You hear that? And so I don't even imagine where our kids, the kids of today, what kind of parents they will be and what they will need to emotionally grow. It's like we're this superficial world. That post I put on your page today, I thought that was so profound about the um, the Marine. Because when I got back from Brandon's wedding, I kept hearing Lamar. Lamar was in bad shape and they were looking for him to die. And I'm like, who is Lamar? They just kept saying the last <laughs> <laughs> And that's all you thought about. I mean, and then they, they put it so perfectly, you know, this this Marine loses his eye and, and amongst other things, um, most of nothing is said. Lamar goes to a, a whorehouse, get drugged out, and that's all we hear. And that's what the people yeah. want to hear. That's what they want to hear. But they're drama-driven. Oh, you're talking about language now. <laughs> drama-driven. They're really drama-driven. That keeps, I think the drama drives them because if, if there's drama over here, then my drama doesn't look so bad. Or I'm not so bad. Drama-driven. That's, that's, that's the show. Drama-driven. Mm. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah they, that's what they, has to be a show. They eat it. They drink it, eat it, live it, work it, everything. Drama. Yeah, and, and you and, and look, and you know I want a piece of this, the piece of that conversation. I'm gonna read this comment out of the chat room, and uh, I'm guessing you know this person because they they say that they are the the husband, uh, Plushette Williams Allen. 
uh, it said, but but it's not uh, her, it's uh, her husband, Jean. Uh, but here's the comment. It says, I feel that the problem is that God has been taken out of school and out of society in general so that people's uh, morals uh, have descended. And, and, and I think... I think that is true, um, but 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 here here's what I'm going to say in addition to that. Um, I think that we have allowed God to be taken out of schools um, and out of our society because we have taken we have removed God from our lives in general, and with everyone and and. and and another part of the problem is that, from what I see, is that everyone professes or proclaims to love God, proclaims to be of God. But if if we have so many Christians in our society today, why is it that we cannot get God back in school? Our society today feeds off of numbers. We live in a bandwagon society, and I'm, and I'm going to get to this in a minute because I'm going to go back to what Tammy was just talking about. We live in a bandwagon society that if you have the numbers, you can make anything happen that you want to happen. For example, uh, the one I always use, Ray Rice, who still isn't playing football, not because he hit his wife or his fiance at the time, but because so many people expressed their outrage with the NFL's decision to only suspend him two games. So the next opportunity the NFL got, they suspended him, and he's pretty much been blackballed out of the NFL, right? Then you look at uh, look at Lamar Odom, Sammy, what you just mentioned. Everybody's praying for Lamar. But before Tuesday, everybody was talking about Lamar Odom being a crackhead and all of his uh, – all of his woes in life, but now all of a sudden we're praying for Lamar. But nobody was praying for Lamar before Tuesday. We did the same thing with Whitney Houston. All of a sudden we, all of a sudden we praying for everybody. And I love what this uh, NFL player Donnell Dockett put on Twitter last week. He said, "Yesterday y'all were calling Lamar Odom a crackhead. Today y'all praying for him. Learn how to care for people when they're not trending." And I think that's something that 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 we need to pay attention to, because if we don't think that we live in a bandwagon society, what whatever happened with the girl down in Texas at the birthday party, and we saw nothing but images of the police officer's knee and her back, and everybody wanted justice and all of this. What happened to that? What happened to that case? We don't know why, because after after that story was no longer hot, guess what? We didn't care anything about it. We don't know what happened with that little girl. I mean, at least I know I don't. I don't know what happened to the little girl. And guess what? I wouldn't be able to find it anyway either. And if I can, somebody please tell me. But we don't talk about that anymore. What happened to Sandra Bland? Why isn't that we we aren't we aren't fighting for that case anymore? Why? Because we live in a bandwagon society. We get so upset with the media 
only promoting negative images of black people. But guess what? Guess what we have done? We have told the media that's what we are interested in. How many hey, people Rodney, are the education? Well, they know how to, we, you know, we talk about this so many times because they'll, they'll put the case, they'll put the story out, get everybody riled up, and for days that's all you see on the news, all you see on Facebook. And as soon as the hot potato is no longer hot, they take it back mm-hmm. and the people stop. But I want to go back to the, 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 the um, taking God out of school situation, too. You know, it reminds, I thought about the young boy that was told the story. I don't know how many people have heard this story, but the young boy who wanted to read the Bible at school during his choice of reading time, he pulled out his Bible, and the teacher uh, told him he could not read it. You know, you have to find something else to read. You can't read that in here. Now, he's silently reading it to himself during reading time. Quite now, you pick a book of choice. That was his book of choice. People loved God as much or thought that God, we needed God as much as we say we do. We should stay, We should have, the, to me, that's one teacher that needed to be gone. I mean, mm. really. Needed to be out, exit, period. And but we do like like you said even with with taking taking prayer out of school and God there's no way that should have passed no way but that the same people who the ones who may fight for it then I go back you know it goes back to in the home what are you doing in the home that speaks God. Like this little yep. boy who took his Bible, regardless if it's if, if prayer or God is in that school or not, this little boy said somewhere from home he's he's learning and reading the Bible and seeing someone do that. So he's taking he's taking his God and his Bible with him to school regardless. And look what he was told. If you can't yes, read that. And, and and where was the outrage? <laughs> Tammy, we have a uh uh-huh. I said, yeah, right. Where was it? Yeah, we have a caller. Go ahead and take <laughs> that, Rodney. Go ahead. We'll go ahead and pull in our caller. And uh, for any callers that we pull in, uh, we always do it by your area code and last four digits of your phone number. So we are going to pull in caller from area code 469, and the last four digits of your phone number are 8226. Caller, you are on the air. Okay. Hi, I, I just wanted to speak on the the young lady with the Texas incident. Yes, ma'am. We happen to live um, uh, probably about five miles from that location, and um, yeah, it's we almost moved to that community, and I think that um, what I'm what I really like that they're doing now is that the police are starting to wear their own um, body cameras now out here because of all the the um, footage that are being captured and is kept being captured from a different angle, a different point of view. Uh, we live in a community where I want to say the majority of the subdivisions here have home associations. And Craig Ranch in particular do have restrictions to where you can only have two guests per person. And when I watched, I felt like 
it was some wrongdoing all the way around, but yet I think people only saw it from their own viewpoints, you know what I mean, and not really getting the whole story because they're not even allowed to have a party at that pool. It's just not even tolerated, and it was out of control. And so you're telling kids to leave, and I think in a lot of homes it's taught that police are bad and they're racist and, you know, that they're against. And I think the kids lack respect because my daughter is 14. If an authority comes and tells her to sit down, I don't care if he's purple, she's going to sit down on that curb. She's mm-hmm. going to do exactly what she is told. She would dare not speak up to an adult of any race or background. Me personally, I felt like um, associate, just keeping, I am black, and that I had a lot of rage um, about being black because every time something didn't go my way, oh, it's because I'm black, or it was just taught inferiority or superiority, one of the one, one of the two. But one day I woke up and everything I knew or had been taught was a lie. And I had, I, at that moment I became a new creation. And once I became a new creation, you have a new meaning of what words really mean. So one day I had experience where there was an older white woman, and she, she just seemed racist. Oh, my God, she did. And I still was polite to her and everything. And the spirit said, go back and put a smile on that woman's face the next day. So I went back and just being obedient and looked for that woman to find her. And I could not find her, so I tell one of the workers about the story. And she was the woman. And she just grabbed mm. me and hugged me. And I'm saying it's vain imagination because we make our assumptions and our perceptions our truth, and there's no truth in it. No one ever goes back and asks that person what really happened. Nobody gets the full story. They just look at what they see, and that's it. Just like with that young lady, all the little stuff with the kids going after the police officer and everything, it was just like, and that was excessive force, obviously, but only one side want to look at one side, and I don't think no one really sat up there and looked at the big picture. And it was really a big march on that um, in downtown McKinney over that situation where you had people that were supporting the police and then you had others that was opposing the police. And at the end, what I really loved is all the pastors in McKinney and Frisco and all the, the neighboring areas came together different denominations, and just prayed instead of focusing on the negative. Everybody is just like the people of Israel who wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. That's a whole other generation. They don't know about being in slavery, but yet they were taught bondage. So then they, they carried on like they were just slaves, but they had been freed. And it took them 40 years to take a three-day travel. So I think people just need to release themselves and get a fresh perspective, get a fresh, get something new, a new way if you want change. It even says in the Bible, you got to go be the thing you want to see in your brother. So we keep pointing the finger. We got to be that free ourselves from it first. And then that way it just go off and be in the world. So that, that thing with the girl is like, I don't totally agree with that. Even just, even with kids. 
too, because and a parent to have, because I have children with behavioral issues, mental issues, been not taking them to therapists, medication, been in mental hospitals, and that could be my child taking that. See, it's not necessarily reflecting that I'm a bad parent. It's just something going on with that child that needs help, and maybe that person, that parent hasn't figured out how to really just meet that need or say, hey, I'm going to take this child to church. She'd be gotten up anyway. So I think it's always different ways you can look at things. It's not I I used to believe that, too, that it depends on the household that it comes from. But I got a kid, he ain't even allowed in my house. And I've done everything to help him. And I no longer believe that because I believe that I'm a dang good parent. But I no longer believe it's always just with the household. It's always a choice. You always have a choice. You I have, have a quick question for you. Um, why do you why do, why do you think it is that people are so quick to uh, look at one side or or not look at the entire picture? Like um, I think back to uh, the, uh, the the Mike Brown situation in Ferguson, and so uh, if you talk to if you talk to to some people, um, you know that there's you know a conversation about you know strictly rape. And then if you talk to other people, you know, they'll they'll ask you, hey, did you see the actual uh, police report? Did you see everything that that was written in the report, everything that they found? Um, did you see did you see the in, in, in entire document? And so uh, there, there are there are people who like to try to see it from both sides or try to get multiple perspectives. But then there are people who like to just look at things one-sided. And we had a gentleman on uh, uh, maybe about a month ago now who was kind of talking about uh, something similar. So why do you think it, it, it is so easy for people to look at uh, things so one, so, so lopsided? Well, um, for one, because people are, are operating out of their own understanding, so they just react. And I, I don't think, you know, they just react off what they see. So... Um, I just don't think people really just really look for it. So some people look on, jump on the bandwagon or whatnot mm-hmm. and, you know, things like that. It's, it's, that's kind of a hard thing for me to ask. What you say, honey? I, I, it's hard, but I almost believe that it's still you got the two parts of your brain is in constant conflict with each other. You got your logic part of your brain, and then you have the other part of your brain that's the animalistic part. And those parts are always fighting against you. And when that animalistic part, that's the part of you that has that, that, that knee-jerk response. As soon as something happens, you just respond to it. And that's that animalistic, whereas the logic can't kick in. And if that part dominates your whole thinking and your your whole life, it automatically just responds to a, a situation without you even thinking about it. And that's the way you'll be. You'll be a responsive person instead of a person who thinks. And that's how I see how most people go. They just respond to something. They just respond. Okay. <laughs> Sammy, any, any any thoughts, Sammy? I, I think uh, what she said is 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 pretty interesting. I I do. I have a thank you guys a long time. Welcome back. Good good always to have you guys talk. I love it. Um, and going back to the to the child, because I think there's a difference in the child that we're talking about, like like even what you started out saying, your kids, if, if an adult says sit down, um, they're going to 
for the most part, if there's no danger, but they're gonna, they're gonna obey. They're gonna respect that adult. We're ta- and and, right. and I I don't know your your son the one you're saying that uh, not working in your house, but I bet there's still some things there that you place there that that, that mm-hmm. in spite of what's going on with him now, because they all they all every <laughs> how good they seem they all like I started out the show. There have been times I look at Brandon and like, boy, if you were my, ch- if I didn't know I had you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even think you were mine. There have been those times, but there are still those things that I knew I had placed there, uh, and that's how I like um, prayer and that, and and okay, mm-hmm. we're good. Some kids, like they just take it to another level. I mean, like not only do, do you not want them in your house, I'm, get out of my life. It's like that, 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 that child, like the one. That young man, I don't know how soon you guys came on, but like the dad who comes out and tells Rodney, you know, it's your fault my child is not getting to school. Really? Like, that that's the rules in this house. It's not that. So those are the children that we're saying. If you follow them home and they just totally, totally, totally ignorant to the point where they disrespect you and everybody else, old people, young people, babies, all the time. Because they all to a certain degree, they're going to fall short in some way, at some point, at some time, in some area of life. They will. But if you can feel if that, that parent you're talking about, they'll be okay. Uh-huh. Keep playing, stand on your knees, and keep 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 yourself, keep your yeses, yes, and your noes, no. They'll come back. They'll be all right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nothing I feel about, about the, especially about those kids. Like there's some of them, you just be like, oh no, this is this this this, this is this was talk, <laughs> you know, rather than just the mistakes and, and going through a bad time. And some of them go yeah. through longer. And my husband said, still at the end of the day, it it really is a choice. And I don't, I think we all could critique each other. And I think I just kind of look at things from a proactive point of view because I want to see what can we do. You know, when you have a child like that, I have behavior issues. Um, I stabbed someone in kindergarten, okay. Um, I had rage and anger issues for the longest time. Um, I didn't know, you know, and a lot of people in my family didn't like me. But I was screaming out for help. But, you know, Everyone else just look at that parent, but it takes a village. It's like the first thing I do because I had that experience where adults judged me and labeled me as a bad child and said nasty things to me. I'm only seven years old, you know, and um, I never let that get me down. I just suppressed those feelings and they went to other places, but now I'm more compassionate about it because I was that child probably kicking the seat, you know. Um, and it was something going on with me, and few people cared because it was just easier to say, that's a bad child right there, and what are they doing or whatnot. No, not many people just took the time. My aunt was one of the very few that stopped to say, hey, baby, you can't be like that. You know, you're not going to have friends. She just spoke to me, and she spoke to me out of love. I have never been the same ever since it took that one person to see beyond how I was acting out because it all means something. But it's just like, you know, to me it's like 
everyone complains, but what are we doing to make a difference? What are we doing contributing to make a difference? I'm tired of hearing about the racism. I don't want to hear about the fight, but what are we doing to make a difference? What are we doing to make it better? You know, I think by saying that we're black and this person white and this person is Asian, this one, that's the vision. But when you take all those labels up and you become a child of the most high God, there is no threat. But when you go into the vision and say I'm I'm a Asian or if I'm black, all of them come with some stuff. You know, they all come with some stuff. But as soon as you remove yourself, which I have, I just feel a sense of freedom. I don't feel threatened, and I don't have no type of stuff that comes to me now when every day I'm sitting up here cussing out somebody. Now I don't have that. The moment in my life when I just said, it's done, I'm done, I'm done. I'm not going to entertain this, and it was gone. I would really like to see some proactiveness out there where we're promoting positive behavior, where we're saying stuff. And Lamar, I have been, every since Lamar has been exposed about his drugs, I have been praying for him because I can see his heart. That man is broken. And so when they put him out here, I sure was. I was praying. So everybody, I wasn't calling him a crackhead because, hell, I come from the crackhead generation. And I think everybody has good in them and everybody wants to be good. I don't think the people that got on crack, my family members, intended to do that, you know. So I I did pray for him, and I wasn't looking at the fact that we all need prayer. Every last one-on-one, he doesn't need any less than the next person. But as Christians, Christians always want to be the light in a place that's already lit. They don't want to go to those dark places and minister, you know, but when you look at Jesus and his disciples, they were not people of, you know, that you got you have murderers and drunks and everything, and because they have the best testimony, they can go speak to the people. He didn't hang with the rich, you know, and everybody who had it together. And even the, the Bible says, surely the rich people, it's going to be few of them that enter uh, the kingdom. That's just it. Uh, and I. I can, <laughs> I love what you just said and that Christians always go always want to be the light in places that are always uh, that are already lit. And, yeah. and, and 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 I agree wholeheartedly with you. I think that is I think that, that that's one of the uh in sticking with uh Christianity and religion. I think that uh, a part of the problem, not just in churches, but but also in our lives in general, in that instead of being original, instead of being creative, instead of working together, we we're we're, we're more concerned with uh, stealing someone else's idea mm-hmm. and making it appear that it is our own. Instead of us, like like we were saying earlier, we we have all of these mental programs, and Tammy, you know, had talked about this on, on a different show. Instead of having all of these different mentor programs, why is it that all of these leaders of these mentor programs can't come together and work under one umbrella? Why is it that, you know, we have to have so many different programs, and then I'm trying to tell you why you need to follow me instead of following this person over here. I think that is ridiculous. Like when we look at 
um, I think about this all the time. We have, it seems like we have more churches now than we have 7-Elevens, and we all know that at one point in time there was a 7-Eleven on every corner. And, 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 and churches recruit harder than colleges looking for athletes. Churches are that, that concerned with membership, and it's not about, you know, we're trying to get souls into the kingdom. It's about where I'm trying to build my ministry. Okay, why is it your ministry? Why isn't it God's ministry? Why isn't it that we are all working together? We don't have enough of that. I'm with you. I, 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 you know, I, I told Tammy earlier today, and I think I told her last week when we were talking, um, I have gotten so sick of uh, our bandwagon society. Like, I look at the Million Man March that was here, uh, the, the 20th anniversary that was here uh, a couple of week, weekends ago, uh, two weekends ago, um, and the, the, the title was Justice or Else. Justice or else what? What are you going to do if you don't get the results that you are looking for? If if uh, if there's another case of police brutality, what are you going to do? Right. Are, are we going to? Because the only thing, the only solution we have shown is to uh, get out and block the highways so that people cannot get to work or get to their children or get home, but. All of these protests have been uh, uh they they've all lacked purpose. They they exactly they have been non productive because guess what? After we expressed uh, outrage about Trayvon Martin, what happened? Uh Jordan Davis was killed. After Jordan Davis was killed, then there's Mike Brown, then there's the, 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 the uh Tamir Rice, then there's Eric Garner. So with all of these protests, with all of this rage, these things are still happening. So how do we feel that they are productive? But then, but then, following the Million Man March, I started to see posts on social media about people's dissatisfaction with all of these uh, networks, these cable networks, not uh, showing the Million Man March on TV other than C-SPAN. Okay. Then they decided, well, we're going to boycott BET because, uh, because of that. So last Tuesday, the Hip Hop Awards came on, and we decided we're going we're going to boycott BET. And, and and the report I saw last Wednesday said that uh, BET uh, lost 1.1 million uh, viewers based on last year's ratings. Great, we shut down BET for a night. Now what? <laughs> what's going to happen right. the next? What's going to happen? Uh, when, when, when the BET Awards come on in June, are we still going to be mad then? What's going to happen when they show no. when, when they're showing our favorite our, our our favorite movies, our favorite sitcoms? What's going to happen then? And, and and in addition to that, you have Fox that we have been claiming as black people that Fox is so racist, but yet we turn to Empire. How come we're not boycotting Fox? <laughs> I have we, not watched. We, that so <laughs> we, we 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 pick and choose. I, I don't watch it either, but we pick and choose when we want to be uh, revolutionists. When we, when we want to be civil rights leaders, and then mm-hmm. if you notice, okay, Farrakhan 
came to D.C. to mm-hmm. to, to to commemorate this, this this anniversary. He came here, you know, he wants to uh, celebrate the 20th anniversary justice or else. Okay, when was the last time Farrakhan went into Chicago and told them to stop killing each other? When was the last time Farrakhan went to Brooklyn or, 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 or Harlem and said, hey, put your guns down, put the drugs away, stop mm-hmm. doing it? When was the last time Farrakhan went to Detroit and had these conversations? How many programs does Farrakhan have set up in these places? When when do we see Al Sharpton in the middle of the hood? See, we mm-hmm. want to focus on something that really isn't as big of, a, of, of an issue as we think it is. Is police brutality real? Absolutely. Is it a problem in our mm-hmm. society? Absolutely. It needs mm-hmm. to be addressed. However, there are some other things that happen far more frequently than police brutality, like what mm-hmm. we do to ourselves and what we yeah. do to each exactly. other. When are we going to start addressing those things? Right. 1.1 wow. 1 million people mm-hmm. shut down BET. Great. Guess what? Our young African-American boys and girls are not reading on grade level. Can we get 1.1 million people to go sit in a library and read books? Right. Yeah, and the thing about it is how can we expect justice when we don't have justice within ourselves? So you have to find justice within yourself in order to get justice. You know, so it's just so much that's going on. But as far as, you know, going into the churches and what they do, um, I'm more spiritual focused. So when I go into the church, I'm going to hear the word of God. That's a man that God is using as a vessel, and we all fall short. So I don't I don't care why they're doing their ministry, ministry and how they're trying to build it and what they're trying to, if they're trying to touch the heavens, I'm only going there for one thing. And that's it. So it's, I have a focus mentality of chew up the meat and spit out the bones, you know, get around mm-hmm. all that because that ain't going to do me no good. And because I, I'm a world changer, I'm, I'm a kingdom builder, and I know that we learn because people watch people, you know what I mean? And when you come from God and royalty, if you consider yourself an heir, it comes with the conduct. And it don't come what you preach with your mouth. It comes with the lifestyle that you live and how you conduct yourself as well. So, and being consistent, and you just don't see it. You don't see consistent. I see a lot of people in their own understanding, a lot of people that they they use the word at their convenience and everything, and when it seems convenient, then they use it, but they don't apply it in their own lives where it should be. Mm-hmm. But... When I simply when I go to church, I don't go for those people, or I don't wear a title of a church. It's just where I'm getting fed for that moment. I invite people to fellowship, but I am no way into uh, them. They fall short just like us, and I think people focus too much on the wrong things, especially with pastors. I wonder if anybody ever thought, let's pray for this pastor. You know what I'm saying? And they family. I wonder what they come against, uh, the attacks that they come against preaching that word. You know what I mean? I wonder what the attacks that I get. I say, good Lord, think about the ones that's on TV and they're reaching what they're getting. 
they're being just everything about them is being critiqued. Everything. Oh, he said people don't like Joel Osteen because he on TV. <laughs> <laughs> There was a time where Joel Osteen didn't do it for me, and you have to be in a place. You have to be at a certain place in your life thinking, in your way of even how you view God and and who he is and the desires he has for your life. We've been enslaved when it comes to religion, as if it keeps you down and out. And I'm not saying that you won't have challenges, because like you just said, if you're seeking God, I just told a young man that today, He's like, the devil is just all over his family. I said, that's because of what you are trying to do, the changes you are trying to make in your life. At the same time, I see a lot of churches, I call them happy hour, where because you, you're you in, and I hear people say they go because we're in and out in an hour. And I'm thinking, what what word really, not that it can't do it in, in a second, but the word should change you. Just like Hebrews 4 and 12 says, that word is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Penetrates in the body, soul, and spirit. That word should change your life. It should almost turn you inside out to where you look and you don't know yourself anymore because you've changed so much. That is being reborn. But today, I see more in and out for numbers. It doesn't matter if you stay, guess what, because by the time you leave, Somebody has got a hold of somebody that says, oh, we go here and we feel so good, but we go home and that miserable feeling come back just as quick, probably before we get home, because we're looking to change. You seek God and you read his word. You have to change. You have to consistently. You don't just change in one area and then now you're done, you're fixed. You got to get all that stuff off of you, that society, that your environment that your heredity, your your even generational things that have been put up, put upon you that you have no clue about. You don't know. Sometimes you feel some kind of way. You don't even know why. That word starts to show you. It takes pictures of your soul at the opportune time. Now, whether you take a take the opportunity to look at the picture, study it, see what's around it, what's in it, what it looks like, that's up to you. But that happy hour doesn't do it for me. I used to find myself sitting in church like, what? We done? What happened? What, what, where was the word? And people just be <laughs> up, shaking hands, ready, I mean, just ready to go eat, whatever. And I'm like, what is done? And you see the big clock up there where the time is about to tell preach, you got to shut up. Whether it's, whether God comes and speaks to you or not, no, time's over. I mean, people are not people aren't not being fed, and if they are, they're not eating. And and back in the day, I I feel like that word came from God. Now you see more pastors, not all of them, buying their sermon. That's why sometimes you can turn the TV on and you be like, everybody's talking about the same thing because they're paying for the sermon. <laughs> when that when people used to go into prayer and meditation and allow God to speak to them. And sometimes mm-hmm. get there and God changes it like that. But he still gives them that word. We've become dependent upon the world and the things of this world. And and like we said last week, God is now your nine one one emergency rather than your four one one for information. That's gonna carry mm. you through that nine one one. That's what it is. Yes. And, and and you know what? Uh 
Samaria and I were uh, were, were were kind of talking about these um, these things yesterday, and um, here here's where I stand when it comes to God, church, uh, religion. Um, I feel like I feel like this, uh, and this is just my personal story. Um, when I was growing up, I was very involved in church. I was very active in church. Um, but when I got older, uh, at a certain point in my life, I was 24 years old, and out of nowhere, um, I, I started to see things for what they really were. And that in turn helped me to see God for who he really was. And the the, the day that happened, it was like my life started changing instantly. And I don't mean physically. I mean mentally and spiritually. And I called uh, my pastor at the time and I said, hey, listen, nothing against you or anyone else. Um, but I have to step away from the church at this time. Not just your church, but just church in general. Because I knew that God was dealing with me. And when I stepped away from the church, um, able to build a relationship with God. Am I saying that that's what everybody needs to do? Absolutely not. You do what works for you. But I know for me, once I had this revelation, I, I, I had to step away. And as I stepped away, I can tell you, spiritually, that was probably the most uncomfortable I've ever been in my entire life because I had to step, because I was stepping away from everything that I knew. And it was so uncomfortable, and I was like, well, is this right or is this wrong? Or you know, and, and that was just me because I knew the things that God was revealing to me were, were truthful. And when I read my Bible, I even read my Bible differently. I read my Bible with no interference. And so I was able to learn and understand the scriptures completely differently. And I said, oh, my God. And so at that point, my life began to change. And I can't tell you the judgment and the criticism I received from churchgoers. And I would say, hey, I'm not, I'm not judging you. You know, what you do what you feel is right for you. And so... For me, even now, uh, when I go to church, I'm usually late, just being honest about it. But here's why I'm late. I'm late because church has become so extra to me that I, I, I just can't take it. I can't take it because I know why I'm here. I'm here, like you said, Tammy, to be fed. I'm here to get the word. I'm I'm not here for a whole lot of extra. 
And that doesn't mean, you know, I don't I don't want to be a part of anything in church. It just means that when I'm sitting, when I'm in church, I, I, I just see where people get caught up in themselves and they get wrapped up in themselves and in their message or in their song. And it's like, okay, I know that this should have ended two minutes ago. Why don't you? <laughs> you know, and, and it's just like uh, I, I just I just can't take it. And so for me, I know what I am seeking. I know what 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 I'm going for. And so because of that, you know, I do go late. Um, and again, that that's just me. That's just you know how how I am. It doesn't mean that it's right or that it's wrong, um, you know. But that's just me. We have a couple of uh, comments in the chat room, and I am going to come back to our caller. Um, uh, it says, uh, this going back to uh, something that we were talking about a little while ago, uh, you have to give credit to some of our people doing good. Uh, the guy giving free haircuts for reading the book, I believe that guy is in... Uh, Iowa, I think it is, uh, and, and you're exactly right. Uh, I thought that that was a great story, uh, and I feel like uh, stories like that should be getting national attention. National attention, and it should be blowing up on social media. Um, but they're not as much as these other things. Also, uh, you look at people like LeBron James, and this is. Uh, coming from the chat room as well, it says LeBron James, Braylon Edwards, putting hundreds of kids in college. I think that's a great. I think that's a great thing. I think that is. I think it's wonderful, and I don't think that we do enough to promote or to support these people doing these things. I think it's great that you have athletes um, putting people through college. I think it's a great thing, and LeBron James didn't even go to college. But I think it's great that he's willing to do that for somebody who is willing to put forth the effort. Um, and then I believe this comma uh, is related to our uh, religious conversation. It says, although I'm I'm not Muslim, Farrakhan has a national eye. Bringing attention of any positive kind is a good thing. But you're right, follow-up is just as important. And I think our caller said that, Tammy, that we're just not consistent enough. Where right. is the follow-up? Where Where is the follow-up? Uh, I think I asked you this before we pulled our call in. How many people did we see at the, at the, at the education summit? Oh, wow, yeah. But, but so many people complain about education and and all of that. And, and for anybody who listen, who's listening out there, uh, Rodney, just put on an amazing education summit there in Virginia, and we're doing the same thing here um, in Memphis, I believe, in March, right, Rodney? March. Yes, yes. We are our, our target date is March, and we'll we'll give you guys more information as as it becomes available. Right, but people, you know, it's the, the place should be packed. I mean, it's free. Great speakers there. Great discussions talking about the testing that takes place with our children, and, and just. It was it was an amazing event. However, people would choose the mall or whatever they have to do. Um, 
and, and that's another thing. We don't deal with issues. We are surface kind of people. We don't go deep. Even within church, things that, that, that should be discussed and talked about so that we can see that we're not alone in the things that we think about and, and, and go through, and then we can help each other. But we've become, I like, I guess the best way to say is dumbing down. Society has dumbed us down. We are dumbing our children down. Let utilities or electricity go out for a day here. You, you probably have to whoop your, whoop kill your kids if they can't get on a phone or, or a computer. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and to be enslaved, make a person thoughtless. Make a person feel like he or she does not have to make decisions. That everything is, is that decision you made. Just give me my phone and my computer. Let me chat with my friends. Let me do this. But decisions are so even, even as I call it, said, inconsistent in decision making. Say one thing and, and, and before it gets out of your mouth, you already know you're not going to do it. And children see that yeah. as well. In my business. Mm-hmm. And, and the Bible says about double-minded. And we are double-minded about the most simplest things. And so that's what that word starts to do. Getting back to church, the word starts to show you yourself. Again, whether you look at the picture and work with it is, is your choice, which we talked about a little bit. Since Carla mentioned that as well. It's a choice. Everything is a choice because for whatever you say your reason for not being able to do this or do that, someone has proved you wrong. Someone came to yeah. nothing and has everything that they want and sense. Someone has come from everything and ruined their lives, their life. So for everything you have an excuse for or you validate, someone somewhere we could say, nope, not the case, because someone, someone, someone did make it out. Or someone went in. But we've become a yeah. thoughtless group of people. And as far as the, the, the race, you know, we hear, uh, I'm, I'm, we probably lost a lot of people over the time because, yes, I, I believe black lives, lives matter, but I believe every life matters, especially every child. And every time I hear something, although this, this young man wasn't, wasn't killed, and I believe this situation was in Texas, and I could be wrong, but the young man, I always think about this young man. He was a young white boy who was skateboarding, and I felt like that police officer talked to him so badly, and he missed an opportunity to just speak something into this child's life. I'm still angry about that, and that was years on years on years ago. Why? Because this is not a white life or a black life. This is a life. He mm-hmm. came from the same place I came and my child came from, and I wouldn't want anybody, anybody, anybody's child to have to endure that. I mean, kids stay bored. Okay? Opportunity. Why you tell them, no, you can't do that. But that that just blows my mind. And when we get to talking about this life matters over this life matters, to me, that's division. And I didn't see Jesus walking around creating division. I mean, I just don't see it that way. And so, why? Yes, I I, I agree. Black lives matter, but I, 
White Lives Matter, Mexican, Chinese, whatever, they all matter. So I can't fall into your division game. I can't play it. That's not the God that I serve. I can't play it because once I start singling out what lives matter, I think I'm just as just as racist as anybody else. <laughs> I, I think you make a good point, Tammy, and, and I'm going to come back to it as well. Uh, we we have another caller uh, uh, online, uh, area code 301, uh, last four digits are 1296. Caller, you're on the air. Hello, this is Tamaria. How are you all doing? We are great. How are you? Good. It's definitely a great discussion, and you have certainly brought up some very good points, um, especially the last one. That's true. The division comment is real um, because oftentimes you don't think about it, but when you start feeding into those negative um, ads, post, whatever it is, you start to think about those things and it makes you frustrated when chances are you probably wouldn't have been had you not exposed yourself to that information. Yeah. Um, And then another thing I wanted to comment on, it was a little while ago, Tammy, you mentioned um, in the church people not talking about issues, and I was blessed to be able to go to a women's conference this weekend And one of the young ladies, she um, did a one-act performance where she talked about women and issues and just issues in general. And one thing she said that was extremely profound was that, like with the woman with the issue of blood, if she didn't think she had an issue, she would have never went to Jesus. And part of the reason why a lot of us can't get free, and myself included, I've been in, in this boat where we put on a face, to pretend that everything is okay, and we don't want to address the tough issues because it's uncomfortable. But because we keep skirting over them and acting like they don't exist, then we never get true healing because we're pretending and we're putting on a face. And if we put on a face for people, chances are we're probably putting on a face for God too and treating him the same way that we treat situations and not really giving everything to him. So Mary, do you think that's why people have have do you think that's why people have uh why why people can never seem to solve their issues um in their lives like as far as um at home or maybe uh with their children, with their spouse, at work because they're never really dealing with the the real issues. Yes. Um, and case in point, I've seen it happen at work too, where because people aren't honest and upfront about what their issue is with certain individuals or what have you, they might hinder or hold that person back. And that person may have no clue what's hindering them in terms of like advancing or whatever because no one's having a real conversation, yet people have real issues with that individual. Um, the same thing with relationships. If you don't, and Bradley and I talked about this, where divorces and things like that don't happen overnight. It's small things that people never talk about, and so everything just continues to build and build and build until one day it, it blows up. So I, I certainly think you know, being more candid and saying that you know there's an issue. There's some good that can come out of that. 
And I'm, I'm talking to myself, too, because sometimes I like to put on a, a happy face um, and not address the fact that I might be tired or I might be overwhelmed. But I'm learning that it's okay. Mary, this is Tammy. You're so right. And if we, with what you just said, we, we actually, at the Amazing Love Conference that we had, we had a couple that uh, brought to our attention that they had kind of gotten in this major disagreement argument over over greens, over some greens being eaten, um, yeah, food. And, like, they were over to their in-laws, to the in-laws' house, uh, you know, in this heated argument talking about, you know, this is it to, to, to a certain degree. And that's what we said. This was not about greens. This is something that has happened that you've let go, and this just, this just did it. This was just kind of took the, like they say, took the, the, the cow over, or this just took the cake. And because so many right. other things, look back to dealing with issues, um, communicating and things like that, we don't deal with things. We just let things go. And, and I know for me, I'm, I'm, I'm really working on that. And, and I'm, I feel like I'm being forced to just because of what I'm starting to do now about communication because I would rather just, okay, I've had enough. I've really had enough, and I find myself cutting people off, and I'm finding that I can do it more easily now. It's getting easy to do that, but that's that's really not the right thing to do. But because you've let people go for so very long until you're just simply like, you know what, okay, enough. You kind of <laughs> like the movie, enough. I'm going to go ahead and take you out, just dismiss. And, and that's not the right way to do it. And so you're right, a lot of relationships end and, you know, whether it be marital relationships or, or just relationships altogether because so much has gone unsaid and undone. Um, and we do it all over, you know, in our homes, in the church. You know, it, it'd be amazing if churches really uh, talked about things. I remember taking a class. It was a Beth Moore Bible study, Breaking Free many, many years ago, and I remember sitting there looking at mainly, for the most part, white women, women of other race, thinking, wow, you all have just as many and the same problems that we have, Some, in some cases, on a deeper level. I, I mean, I'm just being honest. That's why I remember sitting around the room just thinking, oh, wow, my little stuff is not so bad. Oh, wow. You know, you hear the story. But what that, that that at the same time, it allows you to see that hey, we're all human, and we all have some stuff to deal with, whether we've created it or been you know was handed to us. It doesn't matter. We all have some stuff that that in some cases only we have to give over to God. It's too big for us. It's too big, but because we live in this little shell life, um, like everything's okay and we're okay. Nothing really is discussed, dealt with, and so that we can move on to the next phase of life in, in the transformation process. Totally agree with you. Any any yeah. anything else uh, to Mary? Um, no, but it's a good discussion. Keep up the great work. <laughs> we both yeah, we yeah. both certain. Most certainly we'll try. Go ahead, Tammy. 
No, I was just saying thank you, Mary. So, Mary, you tell the people about your um, your 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 tea that you're doing and how they can find you. I think one one friend that I told about it. Let's see. I don't know if she's still on. Uh, go ahead, anyway. Oh. She asked to call you. Yeah, go ahead. On. She was actually on the line and was going to look and give you a call, but I was just talking to her again about it last night. So go ahead and tell them about the tea and how they can find you. Okay, thank you. Um, well, the the tea is one of the flagship products for Total Life Changes. And Total Life Changes, um, I started taking the products just for weight loss purposes, but it's certainly been a blessing um, even beyond weight loss because I find myself transforming from the inside out. So when you feel better, you do better. <laughs> and then when you look better and you feel confident, it all, I think, helps you just become more successful overall because when you take care of your body, you're taking care of your mind, your soul, everything, because you're doing what you need to do. So one of the products um, that is making a lot of, I guess, is getting a lot of talk and communication, people are excited about it, is the ISO Detox Tea because it's, nine all-natural ingredients that really help detox and cleanse your system. So from all the toxins that we're um, in contact with every day, from the air, from lotions, all the different things that we use from the food that we eat, this is an all-natural product that will help you detox your system. And um, what's been said is that people lose five pounds in five days, and actually it's pretty true. Um, you know, it just helps cleanse out your system, but that's one of many great products that we have. Um, I have tried many of them firsthand because I'm not going to talk about or sell a product I have not tried, and because I've tried them, I can talk about them. I have certainly had great success. I've maintained my weight loss and lost even more, so it's really exciting. Um, if you're interested in any of the Total Life products, the brand, um, any information, I'd be more than happy to give it to you. My website is www.respectmyconfidence.com. That's respectmyconfidence.com. Representative ID is 502-1111. And if you have questions, you can give me a call at 804-919-0999 or email confidencebuilders01 at gmail.com. Hey, so Mary, one question for you, and if, if, if you don't mind, because I see your transformation pictures on, on Facebook, and they are amazing. How many pounds have you been able to shed? So it took me a year, <laughs> unfortunately, to lose like 10 pounds. Um, but I am happy to say that I am down over 18 pounds total, um, and what makes me excited is I've been able to lose half of what I lost in a whole year, partly because I don't eat right. Um, however, the <laughs> products have certainly helped me, so I've been able to maintain an 18-pound weight loss, and I just decided to start again um, and, you know, really keep it going because my family and other people are noticing, they're like, you look like you're losing weight. I feel like I'm gaining muscle. I, I see my body transforming. I can see the difference in my pictures. I can feel the difference in my clothes. And for me, that's, you know, extremely important. So to be down over 18 pounds and to be able to keep it off, 
Um, for me, it's something that's exciting because I've always been a yo-yo dieter, so I'm up and down. I would go home, my family would be like, I thought you were losing weight. You look bigger. <laughs> so <laughs> now to have them say, oh, are you keeping your weight off? I'll take it. Because it's a lifestyle. So 18 and pounds down and continuing to go. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I'm hoping my friend did. She popped back on just as you were coming towards the end and giving, getting ready to give out your number. Um, so I'm hoping she she did get it, but I wrote it down as well. So um, she'll reach out, I'm sure, this time. Awesome. Thank you. And hi, friend. <laughs> Yeah, so, all right, well, I wrote it down, too, and I'll make sure I give it to her again. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, sweetheart. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Likewise. Well, I hope you all have a great night, and, again, keep up the great work. All right. Thank you. Well, Rodney Gunham is a really sweet, sweet person, and and, uh, if he ever messes up, I'm gone. Help to Mary. Uh, <laughs> and I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> no excuse, Rodney. None. Uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. We are. We are. Huh? I just felt like I had known her for a lifetime. We even had a sleepover. <laughs> <laughs> she 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 has a type of uh, personality. Uh, she she has a, a a very very awesome personality. So um, definitely glad to have her in in, in my life and, and be with her. So um, it's it's just really a a, a blessing. And so um, I hope that everyone. Uh, can have that uh, at some point in their life if if they don't already have it. So, uh, to Mary again, we we thank you for calling in. Um, we are down to about nine minutes left uh, in the show. Uh, any final thoughts, Tammy? Uh, any anything else on your mind that we didn't cover? Any announcements? Yeah. Um. We'll see here. Uh, congratulations to Brandon and Stella Gator now. Um, so happy to have Stella as, as uh, I feel like I have a daughter. I've gained a daughter. Um, I just want to send a shout-out to them and so ready for them to come back to message. And I want to tell people to just, I mean, really be honest with yourself. Take a look in the mirror tonight and uh I don't know, maybe write down what you see and then write down your thoughts. I don't know why, but just maybe try that because I think it's in some way we're all looking, you know, to be seen, heard, and valued. But until you see yourself, hear yourself, and value yourself, nothing else, nothing else that comes from anybody outside of you will work. Nothing, and that's that's rarely do I say nothing, because if it does, it's only going to be temporary. But we should be looking for those things that are lifetime, that's going to get us through 
that narrate because, you know, in spite of everybody saying, hey, you know, we're all saved and, you know, everybody's going to go to heaven, um, I, I hear that, the, that that gate is narrow and she, she will find it. So, lastly, I want to every, ask everybody to go out and take a look at, I've not said much about the new business that I have started, but I am so thankful. Um, I don't think I shared this with you, Rodney, but I actually talked to Bridges uh, USA on Saturday. I got an email Friday night asking for me to reach out to them on Saturday. Um, if I could, or, or Monday, but of course I could not wait till Monday, so I called uh, Saturday, and I'm going to be meeting with them, doing some programs with them as well, and that's been something that I've been trying to work on and just looking for my door in for a couple of years now, about three years now. Um, I have the City of Memphis uh, workshop coming up here soon, so take a look at my site, um, hope that you'll take the assessment. Uh, it's called RSVP. RSVP, like you are going to RSVP for some event. And it's rsvpcommunication.com. So rsvpcommunication.com. And um, maybe take the assessment. And if you, if you don't share it with someone or if you work um, somewhere and think it'd be great to have us in to do a workshop for you. Uh, it has worked for families, businesses, organizations, um, and certainly individuals. It certainly did help me, which is why I started the business. So if you want to talk to me about it, call me, 901-830-6088. Thank you guys for listening. And Rodney, I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> well, you most certainly don't have to do that. Um <laughs> <laughs> but to everyone who tuned in tonight, we we most certainly want to thank you for doing so, uh, because we know that uh, just like the people who didn't uh, tune in, you could have found any reason uh, to do anything. But tonight, you decided to uh, be on the line with us, uh, so we 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 truly want to say thank you. To everyone who who tuned in tonight, and um, we hope that you'll join us each and every Monday um, at 9 p.m. Uh, for the Butterfly Evolution Show. Tonight we discussed uh, a number of of, of topics. Uh, we talked about marriage. We talked about relationships. We talked about religion. We talked about parenting. We talked about uh, just a large number of things and. and I think we can all agree that there is a, a a huge need for change in our own personal lives, but also in our society. And so I'm going to end with this, uh, which has become, I guess, my signature quote, and and that is, as long as we want change with our mouths and not with our hearts, things will always remain the same. We hope that you all have a great night. We hope that you have a blessed week, and we'll see you next Monday, same time, same station. Good night, everybody.